Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell, written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Tyrone the Tyrannosaurus gets toothache. Dino Dell was woken up very early one morning to the roars and stomps of Tyrone the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Mary the Mammoth was most indignant. She liked her beauty sleep and could get exceedingly grumpy when it was interrupted. Tyrone T-Rex, will you stop this shouting and stomping at once, commanded Mary in a very cross voice. My tooth hurts, moaned poor Tyrone. The other dinosaurs had joined them in the clearing, wondering what all the fuss was about. Lie down and let me take a look, Annie the Archaeopteryx ordered. Tyran did as he was told. Amy took out one of her tail feathers and started to poke around Tyrone's enormous teeth. Do you ever floss, she asked him, as she continued to clean out bits of food from the gaps between his teeth. What do you mean? Poor Tyrone did not know what flossing meant. You need to keep the space between your teeth clear of food or else your teeth can fall out. You do that by flossing, Annie explained. I suggest you gargle with salt water, that should help. Tyrone groaned again. He felt too poorly to walk all the way down to the beach. Mary was feeling a little guilty about getting so cross with poor Tyrone. I'll go and fetch some seawater in my trunk, Mary volunteered and headed off down to the sea. By the time Mary got back, Annie had finished cleaning Tyrone's teeth. Mary squirted salt water all over his gums and Tyrone gargled. With clean teeth and a salt water mouthwash, Tyrone started to feel much better. Annie gave Tyrone some important advice. Remember you need to clean and floss your teeth properly after every meal. Tyrone promised and was as good as his word. He cleaned his teeth and flossed fastidiously after every meal and never got toothache again. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. Today is Tuesday and on Tuesdays we always meet Carlos and his friends. So here is another meow story written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Do enjoy and sleep well. My pussycat was scratching out on my back door. Scratch so long, poor pussy got sore, sore pussy. The Tower of London Carlos had seen a crown on the Queen in Madame Tussauds and wondered where they were kept. Googled it and the Tower of London came up. Carlos moved the mouse with his paw, clicking on the crown jewel's information. I wonder if we could sneak in. I know Priscilla would be interested. She liked the stones in the Natural History Museum. He scrolled a bit more. There were a couple of areas Larry would like, and, and one for Teddy. Carlos messaged Teddy, who thought it would make a good day out for everyone, and agreed. Carlos suggested in a couple of days' time they could take the tube all the way there. 
Teddy, Larry and Priscilla arrived at Carlos's just as he poked his head through the cat flap. Oh, how did you know we were here? asked Teddy. I saw you coming across the field from the upstairs window. Now, let's get going. We've a lot to see. Off they trotted to the underground. They were good at this now. No one saw them except the CCTV cameras. Carlos looked at the entrance. Heavy wooden gates creaked and groaned as they swung open on rusty hinges, revealing a cobble road. Standing either side, a man in a funny red uniform and a hat looking like a cake. Both of them looked down at the line of four cats as they strolled by, one of them commenting, I've seen them somewhere before recently in one of the papers. I hope they aren't going to cause trouble today. The other replied in a gruff voice, laughing, oh, If they do, we'll lock them in the tower. Carlos and Teddy looked at a map of the castle grounds. It had many towers. Carlos found the one he was looking for, the one with the crown jewels. That's where they would go first for Priscilla. Carlos was keen to see them as well. Through the archway, over the moat, left through another archway, and they were in the heart of the towers. Larry had seen the sign for the torture chambers. He was about to enter, but a guard stood in his way. Oh, we can go there on the way back. This is a trip for Priscilla, Teddy said. Larry fell back in line. They could see the tower with the crown jewels at the end of the path. When they got there, Larry was missing. A loud squawking noise made them look round. Three ravens were diving down. Teddy and Carlos turned and ran to where all the commotion was coming from. Larry being Larry had seen a young raven on the bank eating a mouse unaware that Larry was there. In turn, Larry didn't see the ravens circling above when he pounced. All Teddy and Carlos could see was Larry being carried away by a guard to the torture chambers. Served him right, we'll get him out on the way back. Now, let's see the crown jewels with Priscilla, said Teddy as he got his breath back. Are you sure you don't want to leave him there, Teddy? asked Carlos humorously. Oh, I'm tempted, he replied. The three of them slipped into the Crown Jewels Tower with a party of Japanese visitors. All the display cabinets were too high to see in. Carlos stretched up to see and Priscilla climbed on top of him. One of the Japanese ladies saw this and picked them both up. Another one picked up Teddy. Now they had a grandstand view. Priscilla had never seen so many large colourful jewels set in gold, all sparkling under the lights. It made her day. Carlos and Teddy were impressed too. They'd almost forgotten about Larry. One of the security beefeater guards had been watching this and Larry trying to get a raven ending up in the torture tower uh, he sent a message for the three of them to be taken there as well. Teddy, Carlos and Priscilla didn't know what they was... Stop. 
Start that sentence again. Teddy, Carlos and Priscilla didn't know what was happening. When they saw where they were going, they expected to see Larry on one of the torture devices. Instead, a beefeater was patching him up on a big red cushion while another phoned Mrs Phipps to come and collect them. Larry winked at them. He was making the most of this in his favourite tower. It had been an interesting day. Priscilla had seen the crown jewels and Larry had spent the day in a torture chamber. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Bedtime Story. It's Wednesday where we hear all about the orange dog named Jaffa. Written by Jackie Richmond and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Let's see what Jaffa is up to this evening, shall we? Enjoy and sleep well. How much is that doggy in the window? The one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? Macy Jane meets Jaffa and Leo. One day there was a very strange aroma that seemed to have appeared in my house. It wasn't me and it wasn't Leo. To our surprise, we were to find out that it was a baby. The baby's name was Macy Jane, and she was lovely. Macy Jane was called a granddaughter. The baby didn't live with us, but when she arrived for her visit, we always had to be on our best behaviour. She was so tiny, and we would watch her all the time. Leo and I did not know what to do, as one day there was a lot of commotion and a lot of noise. Worse than Leo's howling. The baby was crying. Me and Leo were running around trying to tell Mum, but of course Mum can hear the baby. As soon as Mum picked her up, she stopped, and peace had once again resumed in the house. Me and Leo got used to Maisie Jane crying. It was sheer bliss when she fell asleep after her bottle of milk. I suppose that is the same as us having our dinner. Mum would let us look at the baby when she was holding her. She was so tiny and even smaller than me. When she was asleep, Mum would put Macy Jane into her bed, called a Moses basket. Leo and I would be on guard watching over her on either side of the basket. It was as if we were on sentry duty. All this was fine until she decided to wake up. This time, it would be Leo and I that would jump out of our skins. She might be small, but a lot of noise came out of her. Nothing really changed in our routine when Mum looked after Macy Jane. We would still go for our walks, just as we had done before. As Macy Jane started to grow, she began to learn to crawl. Now, that's when the trouble started. I looked at Leo, and when we think that Macy Jane was definitely a human doggy, as she was copying us walking on paws, well, we didn't know they were called hands and knees. One day, I thought I would go and have a nap in my bed. 
to keep myself safe. Too late. Maisie Jane had crawled in there and was smiling at me. I suppose I could get into bed with her, but it would be too cramped. Oh no, Maisie Jane has got hold of my tail. I turned around and she was actually eating my biscuits. What's going on? Leo and I decide that Maisie Jane must be a doggy and not a human. She loves to do all the things we do and she doesn't even mind getting dirty. Deep down, Leo and I also liked her playing with us. As Macy Jane got older, she was allowed to play in the garden. Mum always kept an eye on us. Macy couldn't always get past Leo, but it didn't matter to her, as she would say, No matter, I will go under him. And she did. Leo never batted an eyelid. There was no way I was going to let her attempt to get under my legs. I would be up in the air if she did. I would watch Macy Jane grow up. It was always such a joy to see her. I would always get lots of cuddles from her and she would give me my biscuits and not eat them herself. When Maisie Jane was old enough, Mum would allow her to take me for a walk and this meant sometimes I would get extra treats too. I was able to take Maisie Jane around the park and show her all my sniffing haunts and she just giggled. The best bits were the mud. I just love mud. So yep, you've guessed it, Maisie Jane was at the end of the lead going through the mud too. As I got older, my little legs couldn't catch up, so sometimes I ended up being the one dragged along. But you know, it was all good fun, and I loved every minute of it. I always loved to see Macy Jane, until my last days. I feel I'm getting a little tired and may need to have a dog nap. I hope you've enjoyed my story. Until the next time, good night, children. much is that dog in the window? The one with the waggly tail. Hello, children. How much is that dog in the window? This evening's story is all about Dorothy. It was written by John Mills. Edited by Sue Robertson. Children's bedtime story was sought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. What do you think she's up to this evening? Let's see, shall we? Enjoy. Dorothy and the fire engine. Dorothy is just the same as every other little girl. Well, almost. You see, she's just the same as you or your sister until she changes into her weight. Here she is now. She can tell you herself. Hello, everyone. I'm Dorothea. Dorothea, tell the children about your genes. Do you think they'll really want to know? Oh, yes, I'm sure they will. Well, it's like this. When I'm on my way to school... Nothing fun happens at all. The teacher talks non-stop all day, and then it's time to leave. Hooray! But when I get back home again, I change into my jeans, and then... Jeans, jeans, are oh my lovely jeans. Now I can chatter with machines. Can you really, Dorothea? Don't you believe me? I'm wearing my jeans now, so come for a walk with me and see. Today Dorothea is walking past the fire station. One of the fire engines is parked outside the front of its garage. It looks very shiny. The firemen always keep their engines spotlessly clean. Hello, Dorothea. 
The fire engine can talk to Dorothea, and because she is wearing her jeans, Dorothea can understand what it says. Nino, Nino, Nino. What are you doing, Dorothea? I can't understand a word you're saying. Oh, why not? I was making a noise like a fire engine. Like this. Nino, Nino, Nino. Because Dorothea is pretending to be a fire engine, the fire engine cannot understand what she is saying. Oh, don't be silly, Dorothea. I can't understand fire engine noises. I need you to speak properly. Use proper words. But these are proper words in fire engine language. Nino, Nino, Nino. That's what fire engines do. They zoom around the streets all day going, Nino, Nino, Nino. No, Dorothea, that's not a language. That's just what we do to get the cars out of the way so that we can get to the fire quickly. Oh, I'd like to do that. Cars are such silly things. You can have a turn if you like. Just press the big blue button on my steering wheel. Aha! Uh -huh. Did you see that? We've scared a load of cars. They've all stopped in the road. <laughs> no, I love scaring cars. They're such stupid things. Always in the way and running people over. Or knocking them off their bicycles. Dorothea presses the big blue button again. Aha, look! We've scared a few more cars. This is fun. Dorothea, what are you doing? I was just pressing the big blue button. The fire engine said I could. The fire engine said you could. Now listen, the siren is only supposed to be used when we go to an emergency. Got it? Yes, Dad. Sorry, Dad. Dorothea's dad is a fireman. He is quite cross. It was my fault. I said you could press the big blue button. Don't bother talking to Dad. He can't understand you. I'm the only one in the whole town who can talk to machines. Probably the whole world. Poor fire engine. He feels guilty for getting Dorothea into trouble. I'm sorry, Dorothea. That's all right, fire engine. Dad is just very grumpy. He goes scaring cars all the time and nobody moans at him. I know that. Next time we go out and he presses my big blue button, I shall refuse to make any noise at all. That will teach him for being so grumpy. Yes, Fire Engine. That will definitely pay him back for being grumpy with me. And serve him right. That's the end of this story. We'll come back and see what Dorothy is doing another day for another adventure. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Friday's Bedtime Story. Here is another story about the chimps Milo and his sister Macy and all the inhabitants of Magnolia Avenue. Written by Becca Cook and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Do enjoy! The Message in a Bottle Staring out from the treehouse window, Milo the monkey 
and his sister Macy looked puzzled. Hmm, what is Diva doing? She has been acting strangely all week, exclaimed Macy. Diva the hippo looked flustered as she tried on another new outfit. Coming up from behind the trees to look upon her reflection in a small pool, Diva sighed and shook her head. What's happening? asked their mother Flo. It's Diva. I've never seen her so indecisive. She keeps changing her clothes, frowned Milo. I think she looks fabulous in all her outfits, said Macy. Suddenly, Diva ducked behind a tree, which didn't quite hide all of her, as her belly and bottom stuck out. Another hippo strolled by, grinning. Good morning, Diva. Will you be at the watering hole later? Diva waddled out from behind the tree. Oh, Henry, hello. Um, maybe if I'm not busy, said Diva, her cheeks going crimson. Flo smiled. I think Diva is in love. Yuck, not our Diva, said Milo with his hand on his hip. Jared, their father, chuckled. Love is a wonderful feeling, Macy and Milo. Come on, I think Diva could use our help, suggested Flo. Down the treehouse they all went, with Zorro the dog following, wagging his tail in excitement. Hello, Diva. What a beautiful skirt. Going anywhere special? asked Flo. Oh, no, said Diva with a toothy grin. You know me, always trying to look my best. Who is Henry? blurted out Milo. Diva for once appeared lost for words. Wiggling her ears, Diva snorted, Henry who? Oh, Diva, we've been watching you from up there, said Macy, pointing to their bedroom window. Diva looked coy, then without taking a breath, babbled, Henry's super, wonderful, funny, sporty kind, and he can even cook. He is just perfect. Grinning, they all chide. Dima, you're in love. Milo, Mason family spent that morning helping Diva feel absolutely fabulous. It's all about me, sang Diva. Relaxing in a hot pool, Diva's nerves washed away. Flo made some papaya juice, Milo and Macy helped choose Diva's outfit, and Jared complimented Diva's sparkling personality. It was late afternoon, and Diva boldly waddled to the elephant's watering hole to see Henry. Milo and Macy had followed her, swinging through the trees, excited to see what would happen. Looking right, then left, Diva could not spot Henry anywhere. As the sun started to go down in the sky, something sparkled at the water's edge. Diva waddled over and picked up a bottle. Sticking out was a rolled piece of paper. Diva gasped with excitement. Oh, a message in a bottle! Diva pulled it out and reading out loud, Diva said, Would you mind joining me for a picnic? Love, Henry. Diva was curious and definitely loved food. She waddled in the direction of the arrow drawn on the paper.
Just on the edge of the water, on the opposite side of the watering hole, Henry was waiting with a magnificent picnic. Wide-eyed, Diva sat down next to Henry. That evening, both their smiles lit up the night sky. As Milo and Macy watched from the treetops, they sighed. Ah, love truly is a wonderful thing. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Corner. You are about to hear another children's poem from Jumping Jaws' Julie Stevens. Do enjoy. Acrobat I want to be an acrobat, launch myself off the ground. Mum says it's just no fun when beds move round and round. I want to be an acrobat, jump up high in the air. Dad says his skateboard's broken, won't propel me any more. An acrobat's the job for me, tumbling upside down. Sister says I'm already the craziest boy around. I want to be an acrobat, walk on the washing line. Neighbours say if I look once more, they'll have to report a crime. I thought I'd be an acrobat, but school got cross with me. I've juggled all the teachers and left them hanging from a tree. Maybe acrobatics is not my sport. I'll be a magician this year. Broccoli, sisters, homework, bedtimes... Prepare to disappear. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.